Last Sunday, we talked about how 2016 could be um, the year of presents. Not presents, tea like you get at Christmas time, meaning gifts wrapped in with bows, but presents, a year lived in the very real and life-changing presence of God in our everyday lives. And I said a good theme verse for the year could be Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Matter of fact, after that sermon, um, it was suggested, and I agreed, that what we're going to do, because I, I made a comment like, well, no, we have to put it on the wall. And so we brought up and said, why don't we? And so we're getting scripture verses that are going to be put on a wall on this side, Psalm 16, or one side, whatever side, Psalm 16, 11, and the other side from the same sermon um, from John 15 about abiding in the vine. Those are going to go on there at least for a year. Those are going to go on those walls, the, the word art um, with, the, with the word of God. And so I said that a good theme verse for the year could be Psalm 16:11. You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. We found that real joy and real pleasure result from a life lived in an awareness of the presence of God. And so we did last week, and so what I felt, what I told you, I said I felt like we're supposed to camp here for a while in this idea, this theme about the presence of God. And so last week we looked at how staying connected, how could we do that? And I remember we talked about from John 15, the, the vine and the branches, and I said if I could tell that story, I'd have the branches have hands, and the branches would have to hold on to the vine. So I think it, would, it, it conveys what Jesus was trying to teach. So we looked at how we could stay connected to the vine, get connected and stay connected to, to God's presence because that's the key to experiencing the abundant life and joy, of, joy and pleasure that Jesus desires for all of his followers. And so, in keeping with that thing, feeling compelled to stay with this theme for a few weeks, um, to think about more fully the implications of Psalm 1611, to give more attention to how we can live more fully in the presence of the Lord in an everyday experience. I think it's the, just God's direction and a great way for us to begin 2016 as a church. So I want to take the next step in that. Now I even shared with you we're going to take even another step, step um, in a couple more weeks. So I'm going to the next, probably the next two or three weeks talk about, uh, probably two weeks at least, talk about implications of this. So the implication I want to talk about today about living in his presence is, is, for today is this. I want to talk about maintaining an awareness of God's presence through daily prayer. Now I want to get something straight at the very beginning. Prayer, well, we did a lot of this last week, or any of the other spiritual exercises, you know, fasting, solitude, any of those things, are not things we must do to please God or to earn God's favor. Prayer and all the spiritual exercises are avenues by which we put ourselves into a position to connect with God and to stay connected with God so we can experience the blessing that he promises. Spiritual exercises give God the opportunity to be engaged in our daily lives. That's what they do. God wants to, but we structure our lives where he almost has no access because his access is contingent upon our openness because he never forces himself upon us. 
So spiritual exercise, give God the doorway or the opportunity to be engaged in our daily lives. In essence, they're like an invitation to God. Through, these, through things like prayer, we put ourselves in a position to experience God. Understanding this idea of this disciplines, understanding this about things like prayer, makes all the difference in our lives. When I understand that prayer helps me experience God, and that in, in experiencing the presence of God, I will find true joy and pleasure, then I want to pray. I want to pray, get this, instead of doing other less fulfilling things. Now, I mean this not as to anybody in a critical manner, but Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Saturday night, a bunch of you made a decision. You said, I'm going to choose Spending time corporately in prayer over other things. Now, you did other things that you may have enjoyed those other things. But I'll promise you this. If they were not tied to making yourself open to the presence of God, they may have given you a little fun, but they did not give you what God offers, genuine joy and pleasure in his presence. So God says, I want you to see it this way. I want you to see it as a sense of a doorway to blessing. But if you see prayer or spiritual disciplines, exercises as duty, maybe it's been pounding your head, you have to get up and do it this way. If it's just rote, external, forced obligation, something I need to do simply either to earn God's favor or to be viewed as a good Christian, or maybe it's got to do this to get stuff, then you will not want to pray. In fact, you will look for excuses to not pray or to do other spiritual activities. Oh, there's a quarter inch of snow on the road. It may be slippery. I don't think I'm going to go. You look for any excuse possible to not show up. So the spiritual exercises like prayer and corporate worship and, and all these things, giving, give God the opportunity to engage in our daily lives. It's a wide open door so that we can experience his presence. And what we found is, in his presence, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forever. So let's this morning talk about maintaining an awareness of God's presence, because that's what we're shooting for, through the spiritual activity of daily prayer. As we talk about this, we don't need for a second to guess what God has to say about this topic. Because one of the most famous sections of all the scriptures in all the Bible is Jesus teaching on this exact very topic. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in a section that I'm going to focus on next week, a section of scripture where Jesus is talking about experiencing the presence of God through spiritual exercises. It's exactly what he's talking about. Experiencing his presence and his blessing through fasting and prayer and giving. In that section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches what we call the Lord's Prayer. We're all familiar with that, right? We always, I try, not always, but almost always, I end our corporate prayer times with a corporate praying of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus teaching his followers how to maintain an awareness of God's presence through daily prayer. You might, not, you might have thought of just something you're supposed to memorize. You're not supposed to just memorize and repeat it. Matter of fact, right before he teaches, actually says it, he says, don't just ever pray prayer with empty repetition. Rather, the Lord's Prayer is a very specific intention. If you look at the context 
of the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, which is about life in the kingdom. And this section is about how do you live an awareness of God's presence in the kingdom through the spiritual disciplines. And he uses three of them, prayer, fasting, and giving. Then we find this right in the middle of that. It's the, in the Lord's Prayer. He's simply teaching his followers, you and me, how to maintain an awareness of his presence through, in our daily lives through daily prayer. The, the Lord's Prayer is it's, it's a prayer that God used, tells us to use to invite his presence into every area of our everyday life. That's what the Lord's Prayer is. It's the Lord Jesus saying, here's how you can open the door or invite my presence, the presence of God, into every area of your everyday life. So what I want us to do is I want us to read the Lord's Prayer together, Matthew chapter 6, and then let's see what it has to say about this inviting God's presence into every area of our everyday life. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read starting in verse 7, verse 7 to 13. It says, When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. You know what's cool? Stop right there. We're all, almost maybe all of us, I'm not aware of anybody who's not a Gentile here by birth, meaning non-Jewish lineage. But if you're born again, he doesn't call you a Gentile. You've been grafted into the lineage of Abraham. You're a spiritual Jew is what that means. That you're in the family of God. And it's available to anybody. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. So when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some of you say, forgive us our trespasses, our sins. And do not lead, which is the same meaning. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You're familiar with that, aren't you? How much our world has changed. When I was a boy in the 70s, a bunch of nuns sang that as pop radio. And it was on the radio. Now at times I hear talk to people that have never even heard what the Lord's Prayer is. Jesus begins his teaching on prayer by helping us understand that prayer is about a relationship. That's what he's going that's what he's getting at here. It's about us being in the presence of the Father. Reminds us that Christian prayer, prayer I mean, he, said he calls the difference between Christian and Gentile, that Christian prayer is different than any other kinds of prayer. And remember this, all religions pray. Matter of fact, some much more devoutly than anybody in this room, including me. All religions pray. But he reminds us that Christian prayer is different than any other kind of prayer. Others hope to communicate with a God, small g, in some kind of prayer. They use repetition, they use lengthy prayers, they use mantras, all this stuff, to try to be heard by their gods who really are not gods at all. But Christian prayer is different. Christians are talking to their, what's he say here, to their Heavenly Father. They are talking to the one who loves them and created them to be in relationship with himself. 
And he himself longs to have us be with him and to talk to him. So Jesus starts out teaching in the Lord's Prayer here that prayer is about a relationship of love. Father-child kind of love. It's not about religious duty. It's about a real relationship. And Jesus even says that in this relationship, our Heavenly Father already knows what we need before we ever ask anything from Him. And I think that line in itself, the reason I started back at that point, instead of just going into our Father who art in heaven, is to bring us to this point to launch us into what we need to understand about this sermon. It brings us to maybe the most important question that we can ask about prayer. And it's this. If God, our Heavenly Father, already knows what we need, then why in the world do we need to take time to pray? If God already knows, it says right there, He knows. Why would we possibly take time to pray? The answer is this, and it speaks to the whole rest of the sermon. Because the purpose of prayer is relationship. The purpose isn't getting stuff. It's not about getting answers. It's not about having needs met. The primary purpose of prayer is being in the presence of God. Because when you're in the presence of God, you experience the resulting joy and pleasure. And God wants you to experience joy and pleasure as his children. God created prayer for us. Not for him. He already knows what we need. He created prayer for you and me. It's a gift. So that we could benefit from being in his presence. And all the remaining teaching in the Lord's Prayer is Jesus simply giving us a daily process that we can go through with God that will keep us in a healthy relationship with Him and with other people so that we will experience the joy and pleasure that flows from spiritual health as a result of walking in His presence. That make sense? The Lord's Prayer isn't some pattern to simply be repeated to get stuff or to make somebody happy, or fulfill a religious obligation, say five Lord's Prayers. It contains the elements that are necessary to develop and to maintain an awareness of God's presence in every area of your everyday life. So let's look at five ways that Jesus shows us how to invite God's presence into our daily lives. Okay? Number one, verse nine. Pray then this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus, in teaching about how to be in the presence of God, be aware of his presence, invite his presence into your life, starts with worship. It's no coincidence that at church we start with worship also. He starts with worship. Jesus instructs us to begin each day, and this is what it is, because we might misunderstand worship. Worship isn't people singing songs. It's an avenue through which we can worship. Jesus instructs us to begin each day through worship, meaning this. Each day by putting things in proper position. Because that's what worship really is, I'll explain. Putting things in proper position. God as leader and us as followers. Because that's what worship is. When we hallow his name, we honor him as holy and sacred and supreme. Hallowed be thy name. 
Understand something, church. God is not the big guy upstairs. God is not your homeboy. God is not your co-pilot. God is God. He's a creator of the universe. Go like this one. Let's go. Take a breath. Let it out. He's the one who gave you that breath. He's to be worshipped. In fact, the Bible says this. He's to be feared. Now, that doesn't mean like feared, feared of a scary movie feared or scared of the dark feared. It means to be respected and revered. That's really what that means, fear means in Scripture. He's to be worshipped and feared. He's to be honored. He's to be exalted. See, we are not his equal in the relationship. So we begin our prayer time by making sure that in our understanding and in our approach to the day, things are in their proper position. He is God, and we lovingly worship and submit to him. Let me tell you something. Often, this one element in prayer makes all the difference. Matter of fact, in times of struggle, and for some reason the Spirit's talking to us today about people being in struggle. But in times of struggle, I often don't get past worship in my prayer times. As I pray through almost every day, I use the Lord's Prayer as my prayer model in the mornings. I often don't get past worship in my prayer times because as I focus on who my Father is and how great He is, because He's not just my homeboy, He's God, my problems seem to become small because I gain perspective. Worship puts things in their proper perspective. This is the perspective. He's huge. He's limitless. And I'm tiny. But he loves me and wants the best for me so I can rest in that. That's the relationship Jesus begins to teach at the very beginning, at the start of teaching about daily prayer. We live in this restful relationship because he loves us. So we we start off with worship. But let's move ahead because we have five and normally I'm done about right now. Now in like 10 minutes. So move ahead, looking for how God, how we invite God's presence into our daily lives. We start with worship. What we do next, verse 10. We're just going to go through the verses. Your kingdom come, because each verse says something specific about how we invite him into our daily relationship. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next thing to invite his presence into your everyday life is a recognition of my need to surrender to his will because he knows what's best. Maybe a little newsflash, especially for you men, especially for you men who are dads. Father doesn't always know what's best. Sometimes we think we do, but sometimes we're just flying out wrong. But there's a father who does always know what's best. He's the heavenly father. Invite his presence into our life has a tie to recognizing my need to surrender to his will because he always knows what's best. Because he's my father and he wants what's best for me and because he's the king of the kingdom, he can do whatever he wants. So I'm always best to surrender to his will because it's always for my good. The goal is living out his will every day in my life, not living out my will and asking him to bless what I'm doing. The goal to, the key to joy and pleasure is living out his will, 
not, you hear that? Not living my will and simply asking for him to bless it. Notice that verse 10 comes before verse 11, where we are to ask for stuff. We need to learn that the best thing that we can do in prayer is to seek to know God's will in a matter before we ask for anything. Matter of fact, this makes it hard for me to pray for some of you sometimes. Matter of fact, any of you sometimes, because you say, Pastor, pray for this for me. And I have no idea what's the will of God for your life. And so a lot of times I think you maybe get frustrated because I pray generically. I don't know God's will about the situation, so I'm not going to declare it because I don't know what it is. We need to learn to that the best thing we can do in prayer is to seek to know God's will on a matter before we ask for anything. How often do we ignore, um, in ignorance, do we ask God to give us things that, that those things aren't the best for us? They're not even his will at all on a matter. Things that actually could bring us to harm. You know, God's not going to cause most of us to win $900 million lottery. First time in my life I actually considered buying a lottery ticket. Didn't do it. I said, God, I could use that money for really good things. God won't give you something that would harm you. There's a pretty rare group of people that could get something like that and not be harmed by it. Matter of fact, look at who wins those things that usually destroys their lives. So God's not going to give you something that's going to be bad for you. So it's better off to know what he says about a situation. We need to learn to listen for his will before we ask for his action. The longer I walk with God, the more I see the need to spend more time listening for God's voice in prayer and less time claiming that I already know what it is. Listening is part of the relationship, and that's what God wants for you. Remember, it's all about inviting him into the relationship or opening up so he's involved in my everyday life. It's always about the relationship, and learning to listen is part of the relationship. So we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want what you want, God. That's what we're always saying. Because I know that what you want is always best. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Requests for our needs. Jesus tells us to ask for what we need. Scripture is super, super clear. James says you don't have because you don't ask. The Gospels say ask, seek, and knock in prayer. So that's what we do. We ask God to meet our needs and the needs of other people. He tells us to do that right here. But I want you to notice something about this. It's interesting. Jesus gives only seven words of the entire teaching on prayer to asking for stuff. Seven. That says something to me about getting stuff that getting stuff isn't the primary purpose of prayer. It says he already knows what we need before we need it, before we ask. But don't we often get this out of balance? We spend all or most of our time asking for stuff and miss the real purpose that God has intended for prayer, of simply just being with him. Think of prayer this way. It's simply the two of you alone together in a relationship. You have a relationship as husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever. You understand this idea of being alone together. That's what he's talking about. You say, well, how can I be alone when I'm with somebody? You can be alone together. Matter of fact, Suzanne and I just 
did something we decided not to do this winter. We, I made a commitment when we moved back to Wisconsin. I said, we'll get out of this, out of this miserable cold every winter. And this winter we decided we weren't going to. And the other day I was praying. I'm not saying God said to do this at all. She was at work. And I was in her room. Suzanne's got a room, a piano room, small little piano room. And there's a picture, and one of the pictures on her wall is a picture of her and I on the beach in Florida looking at the sunset. Somebody took a picture of us, found our address, and sent it to us. And I texted her, and I said, book a cruise. <laughs> she said, what? I said, book a cruise. Find a cheap cruise. Little sidebar here, the cheapest vacation you'll ever take in your life is a cruise. You know, the whole crew is 299 bucks a person. You can't get cheaper. But it's about being, the two of you being alone together. I said, I, yeah, cold's one thing, but the, the real benefit is being alone together with my wife. That's what he's trying to get at with prayer here. Being with him, he says, I, I, just seven words, just tell me what you want, but the real purpose is being with him. Just the two of you alone together. In relationship. Notice something else here. Jesus tells us to ask for our daily bread. I got to admit, I don't really like that. Because I want to have everything all secure for the future. What's he say here? Give us this day our daily bread. His objective is for us to come to him daily with our needs. If he didn't have any needs, you probably wouldn't come daily. Matter of fact, I've found the times in my life where I seek the God the hardest are when my needs are the greatest. So sometimes we think of needs meaning, oh, God's not there. I'm saying this. I think oftentimes he gives us the needs because he wants us to come to him. Because it's about the relationship. He knows what I need before I ask him. It's easy to forget that this in our very, listen to me, it is easy to forget this in our very self-sufficient and abundant society where simple hard work and good planning can lead anyone to prosper. You do not need the blessing of God to prosper in America. I'm not saying God does not bless us. Did you hear me? I didn't say that. What I'm saying is it is easy to forget this idea of the relationship and daily bread coming to Him every day. In our very self-sufficient and abundant society, I have lived in a society without abundance as a missionary. No matter how smart you are and how working, if you're a poor Cambodian, you will never have more than enough rice to eat in your entire life. The system is set up to keep you in that. But that's not how we live. In our very self-sufficient and abundant society, where simple hard work and good planning can lead anyone to prosper, it is easy to forget that God's plan is for us to live in daily dependence. We can live under the delusion, and the devil loves you to believe this, that we can care for ourselves and that you are a self-made person. But that's simply not true. This is what the Bible says. God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good And he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He says everything is ultimately a gift from God. Now, hey, praise God for your giftings that allow you to to create a pile 
But what's that pile for? It's supposed to be used for the blessing of the kingdom because nothing we have for any of us has is ours. The delusion we have is because my checkbook has my name on it, but it's supposed to have above that written in invisible ink that only we can see as believers. This is all God's. That's what it's supposed to say. Because God causes the sun to rise and the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everything is ultimately God. James says every every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything. And you know what? I am so glad because I've lived in two sides, two extremes. It's much easier to live in the land of abundance. But it's much easier to be spiritually adrift in the land of abundance. Those Cambodians, man, when they get saved, they're like pit bulls. Everything's about Jesus. There's nothing, nothing that they can get from their culture. They're all in with Jesus. He wants us to be in a continuous relationship with him. So he wants us to come to him every single day. Give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to come every day with our needs. And he delights, friends. Understand, he's your father. He delights in providing for his children. He delights in blessing you. He delights in giving you more than you need. He delights in it, as long as it won't wreck your relationship. So are we starting to understand here, starting to see how everything in this prayer is about the relationship? Making sense so far? Yeah? Let's move on. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts or trespasses or sins, all meaning the same thing. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So he's talking about here, tied to inviting him into our everyday life. Talking about keeping our emotional and our spiritual garbage can empty. Let me explain. Do we live in a world of continual offense? You know who won't be offended in this room? Somebody who's dead. If you're alive and you're breathing, there's going to be a possibility for offense if you ever spend one minute or one second with another person even if the only relationship with that other person is driving next to them on the highway because they can offend you by cutting you off. We live in a world of continual offense. Jesus knows that if we do not deal with the baggage that comes with offense, that it will accumulate and hinder our spiritual and our relational lives, our, relation, our lives with other people and our life with him. Remember, it's, he's all he's concerned about is our relationship with him and with other people. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's his, that's his, that's his, it's not a very big plan. That's it. I want you to think of it this way, tied to this. Everything that happens intentionally, every day, things happen, intentionally or unintentionally, they can cause us offense and hurt. When these things happen to us, there is a resentment that's attached to it. That resentment gets stored in what I want to call a garbage can inside of you. And I don't want to say a nice Christmas box, because it's not. It's a garbage can. It holds stinking things. And maybe you put a lid on the garbage can, and you pretend that garbage can's not even there. Oh, it's not there. I don't even deal with it. Water off a duck's back. Or maybe you live your life where you're constantly just... Popping the lid and looking inside and smelling it and looking inside and saying, oh yeah, or you're your person, you just take the lid and throw the lid away and you look, you live your whole life looking inside the garbage can. 
at all your resentment and your hurt and your pain. You dwell upon it. But either way, it's there. And it's rotting and it stinks. And eventually, that can gets fuller and fuller and fuller and it gets fuller and the, the garbage starts oozing out. And that full can of resentment and offense leads to these things. It leads to anger. It leads to bitterness. It leads to withdrawal. Withdrawal from God and withdrawal from other people. You just build up walls. You all know people who, because of offense and pain, they just don't, they don't really live in relationship with anybody anymore. Oh, they shake hands and say hi, but there's, their literature is just thick wall of withdrawal built around them. This harms their relationship with God and with other people because when you build that wall up, the wall doesn't only go this way towards people, it goes this way towards God. And it harms your relationship with God and with others. So Jesus gives simple advice in wanting to maintain a relationship, open with him, inviting him in every day. He simply says, dump it every day. That's all he says. Take out the trash every day. And understand this, it's by an act of your will. Jesus would never tell you to do something you can't do. Now, you might need some help. We offer great help around here for this exact reason, this exact topic. We offer Trek, great help in this. We offer the Good and Beautiful God course, great help in exactly this right here. What is basically just, we could call them dumping the can. Come to dump your can today. That's what it's really all about. So Jesus simply says, dump it every single day. Every day, get rid of the offense of unforgiveness in your life. And he's basically saying this. He's saying, don't let it build up. Daily seek forgiveness from God. It's where it starts. Guess what? Somebody might have hurt you, but I guarantee you've hurt other people. Especially the thicker the walls get, the more offensive you are. But you don't get it because you're distancing yourself so far, no one tells you anymore. Or you just distance yourself so much you don't even live in relationship with people. Daily seek forgiveness from God and give forgiveness to whomever has wronged you. You give forgiveness away every day by an act of your will. Because Jesus knows that it's essential for you to experience the joy and the pleasure that are available in his unhindered presence. Offense and resentment and unforgiveness will rob you of true joy and pleasure. So he simply says, dump the can every day. You say, that, well, that sounds awful easy for you, Pastor Mark. No, it's not. It's probably my, this is my hardest part of the prayer every day. This is my hardest step every day. But there are some people that I'd rather shove in the garbage can. And I can say this, not one of you. I mean it, not one of you. But I got some people I'd like to shove the garbage can in, um, duct tape it shut, and roll it down a hill. It's true. But every day, I come before the Lord. And I say, God... And he doesn't let me forget it. He'd say, oh, God forgives and forgets. He doesn't let me forget because he wants me to deal with the junk because it ends up being a a wall between me and other people, me at least and that other person, and me and him. Because he says, Mark, how can you say you love me if you don't love your brother? So every day, you dump the can. By an act of your will, you pray about it again. Not, oh, God, get him but, oh God, help me to forgive them. Help me to bless them. Help me to love them. You, God, today, bless them. Offense and resentment and unforgiveness will rob you 
of true joy and pleasure. So dump the can every single day. Let's look at the last one. The last thing Jesus says is how looking for how we can invite God's presence into our daily lives. Verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, people a lot smarter than me, you see all that part, for yours is thus in a bracket? Because they'll say that was added by the church world after. doesn't matter to me either way. What we see is it says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Every day, look to the Lord to make you aware of temptations that will come your way from the evil one. In case you don't know this or not, and we live in a culture that doesn't want to really believe in the reality of evil, uh, understand, evil is real, the devil is real, his demons are real, and he hates you. And he wants you destroyed. Wake up every day understanding that. See, Satan wants to derail you. And understand this too. He's a lot smarter than you are. He's been around for a lot longer. So every day look to the Lord to reveal to you whatever traps the enemy is trying to put in your path. What you're looking for is divine enlightenment. Think of it this way. You walk through life as if life is dark and the traps are hidden But in Christ, it says we no longer live in the darkness, but we live in light. You're praying for enlightenment, for the light to come on so I can see what's before me. I see the traps that the enemy has put in front of my path. And again, it's not about, it's all about, rather, about the relationship. Because he's saying every day we should do this because you need illumination every day for today. See, knowing what traps were around you yesterday in the darkness that the light went on and you avoided it, doesn't do you a lot of good today, does it? You need illumination for today. So we look to Jesus today to keep us out of harm's way. Now, let's think of it logically. Surely, that is part of the life of joy and pleasure that he offers. If he offers us a joy of life and pleasure, one of the great ways he offers it to us is he gives us freedom from pitfalls. He said, you'll have a lot more joy and a lot more pleasure if you don't fall in the pit, Mark. You don't get mired up in this junk that destroys you. You're living in a high road with me. Are we seeing through this prayer? See in in each of these five things that it's all about the relationship? Have you ever thought of it that way before? You thought, oh, it's just memorize this prayer. No, 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 no. It's why I pray through it all the time and why so often I refer to it. Because it is simply an invitation to the Lord, to be engaged in every aspect of my life. He knows us better than we know us. He says, here are the areas that can be problematic. So in every one of these five areas, invite my presence every day into them. And that is the, it's the key to the pathway to walking in his joy and pleasure. I hope we're seeing that. It's all about being in his presence, keeping us from harm and leading us into, the good, into his good will. Jesus gives us the gift of this prayer. Of this prayer, not the prayer, but the prayer model, what it represents. Because it represents something more than a little memorized thing that you put on a a little thing around your neck. He gives us the gift of this prayer model. 
that fosters our relationship with him, drawing us into his presence from which joy and pleasure flow. And that's what he has for all of us. So this is how I want to end today. I want to end by inviting us all to stand. And I want us to invite God into every area of our lives as together we pray through the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to lead us in praying the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to do it relatively slowly, which is going to mess us up because we're used to a rhythm. It's not going to take super long, but relatively slowly in each of these areas, we are inviting Him into that area. So join me in prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, if we will live in that prayer, and I suggest you live in that prayer every morning, you're going to experience a greater dimension of the joy and the pleasure that He intends for His children to have. So what I hope you're getting through these weeks focusing on, on this idea of walking in His presence are some tools, practical tools, to help you live in this relationship that he offers to his children. We pray to invite him into our lives and I'm just going to pray a prayer closing and if you want to come and spend some time in prayer in your seat or come forward, you come and pray. If you need prayer for something, myself, Pastor Mitch will be here to pray with you. Pastor Chris will be here to pray with you. When you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, please quietly make your way out of the sanctuary. Have a cup of coffee, do whatever you want and walk in the presence of the Lord out the doors whenever you go and into the world because they're not used to seeing what that's like. Let's reveal Jesus to the people around us. Heavenly Father, say thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the model of the Lord's Prayer. And I pray this for everybody in this place. May we live in, walk in, experience this year truly lives in your presence in our everyday world. Lord, I pray that gift for everybody in this place in Jesus' name. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful day in Jesus' name.